Blog Talk Radio. Hey, what's cracking? This is Darren McDuffie, affectionately known as the Fat Man on Fat Man Radio, your host for tonight. And I am honored to have Dr. Sally Rockwell on the show, and she'll be talking about uh, Candida. But before I bring Dr. Rockwell on, I uh, just wanted to remind you of some things that if you have not done these things, I'm going to ask that you do them for me to help me build this community because I really have a message to get out, and I really want to help those people who are struggling with their help. If you have not joined my Facebook fan page, please, please do so. It's facebook.com slash I'm the fat man. So go there and uh, and join the Facebook fan page where you'll be updated uh, on everything that I'm doing. If you want to uh, connect with me on Facebook itself, my name again is Darren McDuffie. You can connect, can connect with me there to get updates as well. Uh, my Twitter is the fat underscore man. You can collect, connect with me on Twitter. And in addition to this podcast, which is the Fat Man Radio podcast, I also do another podcast with a friend of mine named Diane Kayser, who is a functional diagnostic nutritionist, and we have the Wellness Warrior uh, radio show. And both of these podcasts are located in iTunes. So if you missed the show, you have two ways that you can actually uh, get the archives of the show. One is just going to blog talk radio slash fat man radio, and um, you'll be able to listen to the archives. The other is doing uh, subscribing in iTunes, and that's what I do with a lot of other podcasts that I listen to, is I just subscribe, subscribe to them in iTunes, and then I will put them on my iPod, and then I will um, listen to them in my car on my commute. So I'm learning while I'm commuting. If you want to do that while you're exercising, you can do that. I know just about everybody has an iPod, so please subscribe in iTunes and listen to the show there, especially if there's something that you did not hear or you missed during the show. It's a great way to go back and actually pick up on those things. I've listened to some podcasts three or four times just to get uh, different ideas and different things from the podcast. And every time I listen to a podcast over, I get something different from it. So just some ideas for you. So please do that for me and help me build this community. So um, tonight, I'm very honored to have on the show again, Dr. Sally Rockwell, and we're going to be talking about Candida, which is something I shared on my Facebook fan page that I had a while back. And um, it's very, very important because I did a video on YouTube called The Five Fingers of Death. And one of the reasons that people can actually end up passing away or dying is by fungus and yeast. And we have no idea that these things are in our body. So tonight, we're going to be talking about candida. We're also going to touch on blood sugar. And we'll also talk about something that I think is very, very important, and that's food allergies and food sensitivity. So without further ado, I'm going to bring on Dr. Rockwell. I'm thrilled to be here. Thank you. Hey, so... um, Oh, I, I just got a delay there. So, um, <laughs> okay. Oh, good evening, Dr. Rockwell. How are you today? Tonight? I couldn't be better. I'm feeling great. I'm really fortunate you invited me to be on your talk show. Thank you. Yeah, I, I'm still trying to figure out how I, I connected with you. I believe somebody posted something on face on, on the Facebook, and I followed it to your um, link, and I started reading your site. I'm like, ah, oh, I gotta have her on the show, and I ended up calling you, and you were like, oh, I, I really want to be on the show. I think I spoke with your uh, your assistant first. And, uh-huh. Uh huh. You did. Yeah, and I uh, actually ended up speaking with you and uh, getting in contact with you, and you agreed to come on. So I'm so glad to have you. Uh, tonight, 
And um, but what I normally do with any guests that I have is um, ask them about their journey, how they actually came in to, uh, in your case, getting into clinical nutrition. Tell us about, um, and I, I read your pamphlet, but I wanted you to share with our, our audience on how you actually got to where you are right now. <laughs> do you have two hours? <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> as much time as you want. <laughs> I was... I was a pudgy kid. I was totally addicted to dairy products and cheese and, you know, like macaroni and cheese and milk products and always pudgy. When I was 17 and just recently married and pregnant, I, and I was pudgy, mm-hmm. I, the doctor said, here, and then just don't eat. When your kid's born, you'll be, healthy, you'll be thin. And thin was so important to me way back then in the 50s that I took these diet pills, Dexedrine, every Mm. day. I only gained seven pounds at pregnancy. And my poor child, and then the same doctor said, don't breastfeed because it's unsanitary. You never know what the kids get and blah, blah, blah. So he was a doctor, so I bottle fed the poor little guy and he was screaming when he was born. I'm one oldest of a lot of kids, and I know how to take care of a child, and I love kids. And I couldn't get him to stop crying, the poor thing. He was going through withdrawals. I was smoking cigarettes, going through withdrawals of nicotine and amphetamines, a poor little guy. So um, thank goodness he's a lot healthier than that I am or was at that time too now he's a healthy guy but he's got off to a bad start but the point is the amphetamines and i was drinking coffee pots of coffee and then i got the shakes and the whips and jingles so i started drinking alcohol and my marriage ended and i had had a couple more children and so I got into to bartending because I had three kids to raise, and I started bartending, and I didn't drink on the job. But when I got off, I would have two or four drinks, stiff ones, to get ready to go out drinking. And I drank for hours. Wow. And, and then in the morning, it was just disgusting. In the morning, I think about it now, and I just am appalled. I would light a cigarette. Then I would pop the Valium because I had to shake so badly. I take the Valium, then have a cup of coffee, do the shower, take my daughter to her babysitter, and then when I got to work, then I would take the amphetamine because now my nerves were <clears throat> calmed, so I wouldn't have white caps on the martinis that I was serving, and and I did that day for years, for years, years. And I would kept going to doctors and saying, there's something wrong with me. And they take tests and say, there's nothing physically wrong with you. It's all in your mind. It's all in your mind. Do a little stress. So I go to save up the money to go to a psychiatrist, and the psychiatrist would chew on his pipe and grunt for 45 minutes. And at the end of that time, I'd say, there's something wrong. I'm just weird. I'm shaky. Something's not right. And he'd just, he'd just say, well, we'll see. See you next week. And, of course, I didn't have money to go next, <laughs> the next week anyway, and mm-hmm. so I was getting no help at all till I met a psychiatrist named Carl Humiston. I went to one of his workshops in 1975, and now I'm 42 years old at this time and shaking, and I'm a nervous wreck. 
I didn't want to drive on the freeway. I was shaking. I would take two hands to put a key in a lock. I was terrible, getting paranoid, and went to this. I was, this is where this is where the two by four alongside my head came on, and the universe said, "Okay, Sally, okay, you've got enough degree in street now. Let's see what you're going to do with all of this." So, Dr. Humiston at this retreat suggested that I told them briefly about my history, very briefly, of course. And he said, take the coffee and the refined sugar out of your diet and see how you feel. And I'm kind of going, well, uh, 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 what about cigarettes? And he said, when you're feeling better, they'll drop away by themselves. And then I was lucky enough to stay with he and his wife in Boise in a little um, outpatient unit that they had. And I learned to make friends with soybeans and learned how to not have do not drink coffee and he helped me get off some of the withdrawal for that and no refined sugar. And I think that's getting a lot of sugar might be the worst addiction of all with whips and the jingles and the cravings that you go through. But then I, that's what I thought. Now now I know that I think cheese was a harder one and dairy for me to give up than the sugar was. So I found a Dr. Jonathan Wright in Kent in the Seattle area who was an alternative medicine physician. I just luckily stumbled onto him, and he helped me let go of all of the drugs. In a month's time, I was off all of them, and I quit my bartending job, and I found a loan and a grant, and I had no money, and I still had two kids at home, and I started at a community college to get a two-year degree in something. And then I had a lot of really amazing spiritual experiences that just I kept getting the message, change your major, get into nutrition, get into nutrition. So I did. And ever since then, I've been learning, 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 and one change at a time and getting healthier and healthier and healthier. Because I'd been 42 years out of high school, and you can imagine what a fried my brain was with all those drugs and alcohol and cigarettes. I was a mess. Yeah, I'd like to. I'd like to commend you for even going, having the courage to go back. A lot of people would not even have the courage to go back to school after being out of school so long, you know. So I, I mean, that's that's a good achievement in itself. It is amazing, and it was fifty. Hello, I think we might have lost her. Live radio, live radio. All right, bear with me one second here. Let me see. Dr. Rockwell, are you there? Hello? Bear with me one minute, audience. Let's see if I can get her to call back in. I'm not sure what's going on here. Dr. Sally, are you there? If you can hear me, just call back in. 
right, bear with me one second. I'm actually going to try to call her back and see what's going on. I'm not sure what's going on here. Thank you for calling Dr. Sally Rockwell. If this is a business call, then please repeat your phone number two times so we can get back to you in a timely manner. Thank you. All right. Let me see if I can call out to her again here. Thank you for calling Dr. Sally Rockwell. If this is a business call, then please repeat your phone number two times so we can get back to you. All right, so I want to just see if I can try her. I, I, evidently, she might think that we're still on, and uh, I don't know why we got disconnected. It could have been something um, wrong with the phone line here. So give me a minute. Let me see. Dr. Rockwell. Oh. Hey, can you hear me? Yeah. Okay, so we got disconnected. I don't know what was happening. Yeah, I was just blabbing <laughs> away and went bop, bop, bop. I don't know where we were, but um, yeah, we were talking about school here and going back to school. But all right, so I hope people are still there. Sometimes that happens. I mean, live radio, what can you do? But um, Yeah. So let's kind of get into the show um, with, with as far as can you kind of explain what uh, Candida is and how you went about um, discovering it? I'd be happy to. The reason that I discovered it is I had been on this allergy-free diet, and I was feeling better and better and better. And I kept, uh, I went to go to medical meetings two or three times a year for environmental medicine doctors who are into alternative medicine. And this one doctor was saying, if if your patients or people who change their diet and their working with their food allergies, but they're still not feeling better, ask them if they crave yeasty foods. And I thought to myself, well, what does he mean by that? He said, well, if they crave things like cheddar cheeses and blue cheese dressings and beer and wine and mushrooms and sweets, I went, oh, no, that's me. <laughs> so... I went on a low-carbohydrate diet just to test this out because the tests at that time weren't accurate for for yeast at all. And my head cleared up, and I got more energy, and I felt better and better and better. So I have, maybe you read this before, but I have the Candida quiz, mm-hmm. and they take those, those 10 questions in, answer them, and depending on what your answers were, you could definitely explore the candida. And I have on my blog, I'm just learning how to do blogs. So on my blog.drsallyrockwell.com, I have the candida overview. It's four pages. It has a quiz, and then it tells you what it is, who gets it and why, and we'll talk about that, and then what to do about it. So any of your listeners can look that up after we're done talking and have it all right there in front of them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Make it very yeah, helpful. Let me, yeah, let me go through these one time. I know for me, number four was what, when I had Candida, number four was, was the one for me, like crave sweets, 
breads and alcoholic beverages. I crave sweets. I would eat a whole mm-hmm. row of cookies. Like, you know, the cookies that come in, the Oreos come in that row. I would right. literally eat a whole row of cookies. And I would eat a whole pack of them. And I think they had three rolls. And when I had Candida, I craved sugar. But I wanted to just touch mm-hmm. on uh, 10 of the 10 very quickly. So this is the test that you can take um, from Dr. Rockwell. And the first one is if you're troubled by confusion, fatigue, depression, or poor memory, seems like everybody has that. <laughs> and there's that brain fog. Sometimes it's yeah. that brain fog that sets in that drives you crazy and you can't snap out of it. Yeah. The second one is digestive problems, constipation, bloating, diarrhea, diarrhea gas, belly aches. Third one is PMS, recurrent vaginitis, bladder infections, or prostatitis. Fourth one is what I said, crave sweets, breads, alcoholic beverages. Five is recurrent headaches or muscle and joint pains. Six is skin rashes, hives, psoriasis, eczema, itchy ears, or rectum. Seven is fungus infections like thrush, athlete's foot, or jock rash. Eight is taking taking antibiotic drugs, which everybody has. And I used to sell antibiotics in the pharmaceutical industry. <laughs> Boy, what a turnaround you've done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Birth control pills, cortisone, or steroids. Nine is sensitive to tobacco, tobacco, perfume, chemical odors, or auto exhaust. And the last one is feel uncomfortable in moldy, damp rooms. So if you have any of those, and I know that kind of reads like when you're sitting at home and you're seeing those pharmaceutical mm-hmm. commercials, you're like, oh, yeah, I got that. But, uh-huh. but if uh-huh. you, yeah, but if you take some time out, and I'd be willing to bet um, half of the population has candida just because of the poor diets that we have uh, right now. So I would bet at least half, to, to varying degrees. Some of them will have it slightly to it doesn't bother them very much, some moderate, and some to the point where it's ruining their whole life. Yeah, yeah. What can you get into some of the symptoms? I know we had, we hit on those, but you had a list of symptoms in one of your pamphlets that you sent me. Uh, I know it's, uh, you know, poor memory, fatigue, depression, but there's a host of other symptoms that people can have as well. And how many have you, how many of those have you seen when you've been working with, with patients or clients? Oh, golly. Um, they call me the yeast lady. It's been 30 years that I've been working with this and, uh, some of them, it's all mental. It's all confusion or fatigue, or they're just totally depressed, or they can't remember a thing, and they just kind of go around in a fog, and yet they don't have any aches or pains. And others have are constipated, or especially bloating, the bloating and the gas and the belly aches. See, yeast, if you've ever watched anybody make bread from scratch, mm-hmm. and you have this warm water, and you sprinkle yeast in it, and then yeast will just sit there, and it won't grow until you add sugar. So you add the sugar, the yeast feed on the sugar right away. You just watch, and you see that liquid start to bubble, and it puts out gas. It, so it feeds on the sugar, and it puts out gas, which makes the bubbles, which makes the bread raise. So after you get a good bunch of yeast growing and multiplying, then you add a little more flour, and then there's more gas and more bubbles. And we can have that same thing going on in our gut, in our lower bowel. We have the yeast in there, and then when we eat the sugars or the carbs, we get the gas and the belly aches, and it can be pretty embarrassing. Criminy, when I was going to the UW, my undergraduate, before I knew I had candida, I had, and I was always craving sugar and craving sweets, 
and I would I would have to I would sit in a classroom in the back by an open window if I could because I would gas out the whole room. I just terrible, <laughs> terrible, terrible, and it was embarrassing, totally embarrassing. Some people stop all their social activities because the gas is so bad they can't control it and they can't be around people. It's just terrible. And others that get the PMS and get cranky before their periods or have chronic vaginitis and bladder infections. And men get get prostate problems, and the prostate problems, they'll check, the doctors will check for bacteria, but they never check for yeast. They just don't. And then when you get that yeast going in your system, that's when the cravings come on. It's like... You know, like I say in my little Coping with Candida book, it's like the yeast are banging their little spoons together saying, come on, bring down the sugar, feed me, feed me, feed me. And you just can't not grab the sweets to keep the yeast going. Yeah, it's I, a, a big thing with uh, with a lot of the diets, too, because a lot of people, they start their days with sugar, don't you think? Yeah, with the coffee oh, yeah. orange juice and donuts and all this other stuff in the morning. Yeah, or those Pop-Tarts and all those, everything is sweet. Or the muffins or the Egg McMuffins, or, they're all sweet. They're all sweet. Mm-hmm. And they usually end the day with it, too. And then skin rashes are an interesting thing on the hives and the psoriasis. I had a woman come to me who was quite wealthy, and she came in, and she'd been to other lots of places, and nobody could help her. And I used to say I should have a sign out in, out in the front of my office that says, last chance, because she'd been everywhere else, and no one seemed to help. So let's let's go see Dr. Sally. Let's see what she can do. But this woman had... A blouse with a ruffle right up to her up to her chin, and her hands were covered. Every part of her body was totally covered, and it was a hot day. And she said she had rice so badly, the rash so badly, and she and she pulled up her blouse to show they were solid scabs. And if she would move just right, she would break open the scab and start bleeding. The poor woman had all the money to go anywhere and do whatever she wanted, but she couldn't even travel. She was just so ashamed and such a mess. And just getting her on, got it off of wheat and dairy and sugar, and not much more with the diet. We had to start with her gently because she was so sick. And sometimes when you're really sick, you have to start kind of with one little step at a time because you do too much all at once and it just makes your body can't tolerate it. But within a month, all the scabs were gone. Within two months, she was, her skin was getting nice and, and healthy, and three months, and she was off traveling. It was just, wow. yeah. it was wonderful. And she had yeah. the itchy ears um, and couldn't figure that out. Another woman came to me because the doctor thought she was needed to go to a psychiatrist because she had itchy rectum. And so they treat her for pinworms. And she treated and treated and treated for pinworms, and she still had the itchy rectum. So they thought that perhaps there was something psychologically wrong with her, and she was hallucinating. And the yeast will do that. The yeast will get in the tissue around your rectum, and it itches. Mm. And, And it's mistaken for pinworms. And it's not pinworms at all. It's a candida yeast. Wow. 
Yeah, I wanted to get into one more thing that's kind of um, uh, relevant to me. Um, but, but before I do that, if you have a question, anybody in the audience has a question for Dr. Sally, call into the number. The number is 646-716-9371. Again, the number is 646-716-9371. And once you're on, you can hit one, and I'll see you on the switchboard, and I'll bring you on to ask your question. Now, um, I mentioned at the beginning that I was a pharmaceutical rep, and one of my line of products used to be antibiotics. Um, oh, why are antibiotics so detrimental to our, uh, especially immune system, but to our bowels um, when it comes to something like candida? That's a really, really good question. Our, in our lower bowel, uh, we have trillions of bacteria, good bacteria, and they produce some B vitamins and vitamin K, and they're doing good jobs for us. And there's a few yeast, usually. There's yeast are everywhere, so there'll be some yeast, but there's enough bacteria that keep the yeast from overgrowing. So you're, you're in, in wonderful balance. But over time, by taking the antibiotics, you start killing off the good bacteria in your lower bowel. And as you kill off the, the bacteria, especially if you're eating sweets, then the yeast can take over and the yeast will start to grow and then pretty soon the yeast can crowd out the good bacteria because the antibiotics have killed the bacteria to the point where the yeast can take over and the bacteria are no longer in charge. That's why you'll all the ads for the probiotics and the yogurts. I don't recommend yogurt, but I recommend the probiotics, the acidophilus and the bifidus, and the good bacteria to get those back in your lower bowel. And then over time, by getting off of the sugars and the starches and taking the probiotics, so you're starting to starve out the yeast and kill off the yeast and then get the good guys back again, and then your belly will shrink. You won't have that big pot belly, and you won't have the gas. And it just makes a world of difference, a world of difference. Yeah, the other thing, people... by the way, when... oh, go ahead. No, you go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. The other part I didn't mention was, so the three main steps of treatment are stopping the sugars and the starches so you can starve out the yeast, and then... Killing them off, and there are several natural remedies now for stopping the yeast overgrowth. And a good one and economical is um, grapefruit seed extract. It's referred to in natural food stores as GSE. It doesn't harm the good bacteria, and it will kill off the fungus, and it kills some kinds of parasites too, by the way. So you starve them out, you kill them off, and there are several other brand, others on the market. If you go to a natural food store or even on my website on that blog, you'll see several other things that you can take to naturally kill them off. Mm-hmm. And then you replace the good bacteria. Those are the three three main steps. Yeah. Uh, you just mentioned starches. I know to, to, to get rid of the sugar on your diet. But tell us why getting starches out of your Getting starches out of there is important, especially when you're getting rid of candida. Well, I, I should modify that. It's the refined starches, like the white flour 
and the white mm-hmm. noodles and the white pasta, almost any kind of white flour or white food. If you just avoided white foods, except egg whites, <laughs> you'd, you'd be healthier. It just in general, even without the candida, just avoiding white foods and going to more colorful foods and whole grains. If you did have grain, have it be a whole grain mm-hmm. or brown rice or... And there's quinoa and amaranth and all these other wonderful grains that are becoming popular now as we're getting away from the gluten, gluten types of grains. Of course, that's a whole other subject too. If we can focus yeah, on yeah, that's someday. Yeah. And I think what I, I kind of wanted you to touch on is the fact that those white flowers and, and pastas and things like that, they convert into sugar in the body, and a lot of people have no idea that that's happening to them. So, yes, uh, it happens really fast too. Yeah, if yeah. it's a whole grain, then you've got the the outside part of the grain, which is the fiber, and it forms a substance, and it takes longer for your body to digest that. So the sh- the sugars in the grains get absorbed very slowly, like a time release food. Mm-hmm. So whole grains and nuts and seeds and proteins and whole foods are like time release, so they you absorb the sugars very slowly and very gently, and your body gets a chance to use them and burn them up. But with the white flowers and white greens and that, that Wonder Bread, I wonder if Wonder Bread's still around, that white stuff they used to wad up oh, in yeah. a little ball. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, that's uh, just like sugar. Your body just takes and absorbs it instantly, instantly, just like sugar. And you, there's no nutrient value or the end of it at all. It's just a bunch of pasty white stuff. Yeah. I got a, a question for you. I want to pay devil's advocate. I'm just curious about it. If I'm mm-hmm. starving the sugar out, and that means to me, when I think of sugar, I think of white sugar, organic sugar, any type of sugar. But what about something like a, um, a stevia that does not – I know you mentioned this in your pamphlet, and I use stevia uh, here in my household, but what – what effect does that have? And let's just say I'm someone that has candida. Uh, I want to enjoy a cup of coffee, but I can't drink bitter coffee, and I put some, some stevia in it. Does that have the uh, propensity to feed the candida if I use no, that? No, not okay, at all. Right. Not okay. at all. It doesn't have any carbohydrates in it, no. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I wish it didn't have that strange aftertaste. Actually, I found one that does not have it. Um, it's cow. Ah. It's called cow. It has a red top cow. Um, it's just I, I remember K A L, but that's the one that uh-huh. we use. It doesn't have that that peculiar aftertaste. I've tried a lot of them, but that uh-huh. one doesn't have it. That one doesn't. Oh, have it. But, good news! That's good. Your list, yeah. listeners will be happy to hear that. Yeah. So cow. It's called K like Kevin, A like Apple, L like Love. So cow. And you can order that on any number of places. I know Whole Foods carries it, um, but it's probably best to order it because Whole Foods is, is what I call Whole Paycheck. They charge <laughs> yes, same way here in Seattle, <laughs> Whole Paycheck. You got it. They charge a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, so I was just interested in that. Are there any other foods that you should stay away from when if you're trying to get yourself um, off of uh, Get Rid of Candida? Dairy products, that, and that's another tough one. That's that's hard to do is to let go of milk, cow, cow's milk products, and cheeses. I was I was used to be totally addicted to cheese. I would when I stopped having, I stopped eating the sugars and and then the dairy products and the gluten. 
when I graduated at the UW in 1981, we went to the Rose Bowl, and I still had one more quarter to go. But I thought, well, I'll go to the Rose Bowl, and I'll just have a good time. So I was drinking margaritas, and I was eating nachos, and just had so much fun and partying. And I thought, that's okay, because when I go back, when I go back home to Seattle, all I have to do is go on a just maybe a fast for a day or two and just eat a lot of vegetables and raw foods and I'll clean out my system and I'll be just fine. I could not give up cheese. I could not give up cheese. I would come up with every excuse I could think of. Well, maybe I really need a calcium. Maybe there's something that's really good for me. Maybe it's not for bad as for me as I really think it is. It took me two months, Darren, to let go of the, of the cheese. I would go by, you know, in the stores where they have those little squares of cheese, the little samples. I would want to just grab the whole thing and cram them in my mouth. It wasn't that I wanted cheese that was like, give me cheese and nobody gets hurt. I just <laughs> terrible cravings, terrible, terrible cravings. So I, I'm just that addicted to it. Yeah, and I, I mean, I've had my addictions too and things that I had to battle to, to, to get healthy, but um while you were saying that, it came to me, and I saw this in in your the stuff that you sent me to read for the show. Um, calcium. I mean, you're mm-hmm. off cheese. You're off calcium. We live in a uh, what I call a calcium dominated society. So if you're not eating cheese or drinking milk, how do you get your calcium? That's exactly why I wrote my calcium rich and dairy free book because I was 58 and I was attending all these meetings, these allergy meetings, and so my books were being bought by all of the doctors and they were recommending them to their patients because everything that I've written is free of milk and wheat and eggs and yeast and refined sugars. So there was no dairy in anything. And the doctors would say to me, okay, Sally, how can I tell a mother to t- get her kid off of dairy and stop giving them cow's milk if I can't give them a good reason why and how they can get the calcium they need. Tell me that. And I heard that for two or three years, and by the time I was 58, I finally said, oh, no, here I go again. I don't want to do this. But I have to prove that you can get all the calcium you need without dairy. So that's when I launched into my Ph.D. to, to do that, to prove that. You get it the same place a cow gets it, green stuff. Right. Most anything right. green is high. I have a. Um, I'll do my best to get that on on a blog one of these days. And 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 so those who don't want to get the whole book, there's just a there's a list that I I printed out of just a two sided list of the top 100 or so foods that are high in calcium. Like the Dairy Council doesn't want you to know that an orange has 50 milligrams of calcium or just a simple cup of rhubarb sauce, if you like rhubarb, is 250 milligrams of calcium. Or a tablespoon of molasses is 150 milligrams of calcium and rich in iron too. And it would be ideal to use for a smooth, uh, for a sweetener when you did want to make some molasses cookies or some, like the ideal cookie would be a, oatmeal raisin cookie with some nuts in it. That would be the, probably the healthiest breakfast that anybody in that average American diet would probably be their healthiest diet they could eat, they could have, the 
the healthiest thing they could eat for breakfast. Mm-hmm. So get back to using molasses as a sweetener. The minerals in it are wonderful. Yeah, I've used that before in, in cooking some stuff, and it's actually the black, what is it, a blackstrap molasses? Is the, is blackstrap the is, the, is the least refined, and it has the most minerals, and it also has that strong taste. That strong taste of molasses is the minerals. So when you get what would be called a lighter molasses, it still has some minerals in it, but not near as many as the black strap molasses would have. So it's a wonderful sweetener to use in baked goods and things, but most people li- just drizzle a little on your oatmeal in the morning. Mm-hmm. But to use a lot of it just to have it by the spoonful is too strong for most people's tastes. I like it, but then my yeah, whole taste would... buds have changed a lot too. <laughs> I would just take a, like a tiny spoonful, like a half of a teaspoonful before working out, and it gave me a ton of energy. I believe it has magnesium in it as well. Oh, it's so, very rich in minerals. It's wonderful. Yeah. And then some more when you're done. I like uh, I like making ginger tea or uh, any of the teas, actually, and just putting a teaspoon of molasses in my in my herbal teas. It's wonderful yeah. so, and a good way to get it down. Yeah, so let's let's jump back on candida because I know I have some people out there who are trying to figure out how can I get rid of this thing. Um, mm-hmm. So with a diet, what would my diet need to consist of or look like if I have candida in order to rid myself of it? First of all, you can go to a natural food store and buy every kind of nut you can, that you can see that you like, not peanuts. Peanuts are a legume which is, could be a good thing, but they're grown underground and they're, they're moldy. So, and they're on the top of the food allergy list. So have every kind of nut, tree nut, that you can find. And then do your best to, to learn to like vegetables. Anything leafy and green is wonderful, even all the root vegetables, even, even like a sweet potato, which is starchier, but it still has a fiber in it, so it's still going to be okay for you. So you can eat, uh, I think it's on page 7 of my Coping with Candida book. I have, well, I have, in the book I have pages, what I call it, the live it up list, where you can eat as much as you want of all of these foods freely, which is all of the nuts, and and the nut butters, and any kind of, any kind of vegetable, any kind of vegetable, you can have as much as you want. And you you just can load up, and even beans and teas and lentils and split peas like that, you can still have some, but don't don't have more than a half a cup at a time because they are starchy, but they also have really high protein and high fiber, so they're really excellent foods for you. So do your best to have them in small quantities, like you could have have, have a half a cup of soup for lunch and then wait two, three hours later and have another, have some more of it. Just don't have it all at once so you're loading it up and getting it down to your, the lower bowel where the yeast can have a good time munching on it. So as much protein as you want. Um, I don't eat beef or pork anymore or lamb, but I used to, that's all I ate. And it's just because my tastes have changed and I just feel better by not having it. You can have all the proteins that you want. You can have, in addition to the nuts and seeds and all of the green vegetables, 
any kind of vegetables. You can have chicken or turkey or any kind of fish or any kind of shellfish, any kind of seafood, as much as you want. Are you vegetarian? No. No, I've I've tried to be, and my problem is I'm Scotch-Irish and Scandinavian, and genetically, I just need more protein than I can get in the carbohydrates. My body doesn't tolerate the amount of carbohydrates that uh, other people might be able to have, even if they're whole grain and whole carbs. In my in my Blood Sugar Blues book, I talk about I talk about genetics and getting back to what our great 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 grandparents ate. For instance, since I'm in the if you're looking at the globe, and I have this blow-up globe that I take when I teach classes, mm-hmm. and I blow the globe up, and then I show it, and I say, look at the globe, and look at the top of the globe where it's cold, 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 cold climate, and what kind of foods grow there, compared to the middle of the globe, what kind of foods grow there, and then when the climate gets a little warmer climate, what kind of foods grow and I, again, I'm Scotch, Irish, and Scandinavian, so the foods that my ancestors ate were all kinds of fishes and wild game and lots of root vegetables and some nuts. Like they ate everything from the cabbage and broccoli and beets and potatoes, well, not white potatoes so much, and buckwheat. Buckwheat was is the main main grain for Russia and other cold countries. And the other thing that are popular are that they grew there were rye, rye bread, R-Y-E, rye bread and barley. But there weren't any wheat fields. There were no orange groves. There was no sugar cane. What little bit of milk they did have went into cheeses and saved. They didn't drink big glasses of milk. And so we need to get back to what our ancestors ate. That's what our digestive system can handle. Our liver makes over 2,000 enzymes that help us break down different kinds of foods. And our pancreas puts out all kinds of enzymes. And so our bodies are designed to do better with certain foods than other foods. Now, if you went to Japan, where they grow up on white rice and soy and not very much they didn't they don't do a lot of protein but they do a lot of vegetables and a lot of rice and that works for them you go to mexico and they do very well on rice and beans refried beans and corn so um, once again you need to take a look i i i kept thinking one of these days i'm going to probably i won't do it but i was thinking right in the book called if you if your genes don't fit your J-E-A-N-S, don't fit, check out your genes, your G-E-N-E-S, and see what kind of foods that your great-great-great-grandparents were eating. Get back to that. Yeah, that's the the basic answer. You just gave the basic answer. People who approach me all the time is like, well, I'm on this diet, and I don't know why it's working. I was like, because it probably is not matched up to you genetically. We have this thing here in the U.S., where we'll put what I call blanket diets, where we put out one diet and everybody tries it. And while one person will be successful on it, you will have 10 others that aren't successful. And you just did a great job of answering that question, exactly why the diet isn't successful, because it doesn't match the person from a genetic standpoint. 
So You are very wise, young man. Yes, that's definitely the truth. Oh, thank you. It makes a big difference. Yeah, and there's a book uh, by uh, Peter Adamo. Actually, he he's a naturopath, and he published his father's work called uh, The Blood Type Diet. Mm-hmm. And there's some, it's worth reading and looking at, but then it's not necessarily true because I am blood type A, and the book says, therefore, I can eat lots of grain, cereal grain, but I have to stay away from legumes and beans and peas, and it's just the opposite for me. I do not do well on any kind of cereal grain, but I do fine on beans and peas. And that's where, that's the good news of playing around with this and starting Starting out with kind of what I call the caveman diet, which would almost, which would be the candida diet. And everybody started out with a caveman diet, you know, billions of years ago. So start with that and then slowly add back other foods and see at what point, at what, when you start in, you're, after a few days, the first few days you'll go through withdrawal symptoms and probably feel crummy. And that's a good thing. And that's where this buffered vitamin C comes in. If you're trying any diet changes or anything at all and feeling uncomfortable, your pH is dropping. You're getting too acid. And by taking a buffer of calcium that has, it has calcium, potassium, and magnesium in it, that balances your system and takes away the craving and the headaches and the things that happen when you go through withdrawals. So you take that between meals while you're adding foods back and keeping a diary, and you'll just be amazed. You'll be amazed how you can get through this, and you'll be surprised sometimes. You're feeling really good, and you have a certain food, and God, half an hour, an hour later, you're going, geez, what happened? I'm all, now I'm, I'm tired all of a sudden. If you're tired all of a sudden, it's because you've eaten something your body didn't want and doesn't know what to do with. Yeah, exactly. And they um, they actually recommend uh, the vitamin C for if you have uh, gluten. I actually had an incident this past weekend where I got gluten. I'm gluten sensitive. So mm-hmm. um, they uh, recommend taking vitamin C in that in that instance if you get a, a shot of gluten and you're gluten intolerant or gluten sensitive. So, yeah, I, I, I agree exactly what you're saying. Um, getting back to, we're talking about eating something that your body can uh, deal with. And I know you'd have to get out of here in the next 10 minutes to catch your movie. Um, That's okay. I'm okay. I'm good. I wanted to touch on the, uh, food allergies. You mentioned peanuts being one. What are the other most common allergens? Uh, peanuts, dairy, what are some others? The, The most common are milk, wheat, eggs, corn, soy, yeast. Refined sugars. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's why I don't have any of them in any of my recipe books. They're free of all of those. Because when I started this and I had to avoid all of those foods, I thought, criminy, there's nothing left to eat. Because I grew up cooking, so that was the good news. So I could play with diets and play with recipes. And I like to eat, and I wanted to have things that were wholesome and healthy and taste good. So I spent years just developing recipes free of all of those all of those foods just because we like to eat. And now the good news is you probably know that you can go online and say gluten-free and you'll get a dozen sites at least that sell gluten-free products and flowers and everything. So it's good. 
information is good. It's getting better all the time. Yeah, the Internet is just wide open. Um, if you want to know anything, you can go on the Internet. Unfortunately, it can be some place to have people get confused, too. But oh, I mean, if you, yes. yeah, if you, if you look for the truth, then most of the time you'll be able to distinguish the truth. But you know, some people can't. Um, also, what, Darren, uh, I, on my website, I have a list of what I call frequently asked questions. Mm-hmm. And the Candida quiz is on there again, too. So a lot of things like how do you start with the vitamin C? How do you start taking the vitamin C? And in what order? And helping with withdrawal symptoms and cravings is all on my website. So it's free information that's just there to to glean. Yeah. What's your website address again for the listeners? It's, it's dr, as in doctor, sallyrockwell.com. That's the way I can remember it. drsallyrockwell.com. Oh, I had one more question. I was actually just thumbing through the book when we were, and I forgot to ask this about fruit. I know fruit can be mm-hmm. detrimental to a lot of people. And I, I, I mean, this is my personal opinion, and I don't want anybody to say that, you know, this comes from a doctor or anything. It's just my personal opinion that people who mm-hmm. are overweight should stay away from fruit because it, especially high glycemic fruits. I don't know if you agree with that, but it, as far as candida, is it, uh, should you avoid fruit when you have candida, especially the, the more sugary fruits like oranges, uh, apples, pears, things like that? Actually, the, the, I'm backing up here. If you have candida and you have, if you're, take the quiz of those 10 questions and you answer yes to more than four of them, then yes, avoid fruit. If you if you answer yes to uh, your symptoms aren't that bad, but you still want to get on the diet and get over it, then you could probably have one fruit a day. And the most, the starchiest of all are the bananas and the grapes. The least starchy would be an apple or a pear or or the the watermelon and the different melons mm-hmm. are actually they taste sweet, but they are less starchy than like a banana. And so oranges are. To... Go ahead. I was saying I had that totally backwards. <laughs> <laughs> Easy to do. There's so yeah. much information. If you go online, you'll find somebody who will agree with you, no matter what you're. If you just keep searching, and you want to have fruit, no matter what. You'll find somebody who says you can do it. Yeah. What about- as far as overweight people, they usually usually they have food allergies and candida, and that's why they have all the cravings that they have, and that's why they can't control their foods. So I agree with you. They got to get off of sugar and dairy for sure, and about- cut back on the carbohydrates. What about berries? Are berries uh, admissible? Um, I know, like your yes. your blackberries, yeah. raspberries. Thing. Okay. I know those yeah. are lower, lower glycemic. Okay. Yeah, they're lower glycemic. My blood sugar blues has a, a glycemic list in the back. It gives a glycemic rating for all of the different foods. It's just mm-hmm. that little that little guidebook, and it can and it's gluten and dairy free too. And it's a it's a handy little list to have. I should put figure out how to get that on a blog too. I'm just I'm just. When the process of getting all these handouts and all the information that I want to share and getting it on blogs so that people can just look at it or download it on their own. 
So that's as I'm semi-retiring here, trying to sell the rights to all my books so that I can play with my great-grandkids a little bit <laughs> <laughs> and have some more dancing. I'm a, I'm a dancer. I want to dance and lawn bowl and so. But I still want to help. So I, yeah. if you keep your eye on my blog, it's just blog. Rockwell, then watch my blog and I'll have more and more information popping up on that as I get help with it. Cool, cool. Now, I mean, we got like eight minutes left, and I wanted to, you just kind of gave a great segue with your blood sugar blues. I wanted you to kind of explain the role of uh, insulin, because I know in your blood sugar blues, uh, and I understand that, I wanted to more try to, for you to kind of explain that to the listeners and what's the role of insulin and how that actually affects us as far as things like candida and the process of gaining weight, if you could explain that. Oh, if I if I could draw a picture and have you see it, <laughs> I've got the graph in my book, and I I don't know if I could get that on a, a blog or not. But basically, basically, what happens? No matter for any one of us, no matter what size we are, like I'm five one, I weigh a hundred pounds, or somebody who is. 62 and weighs 250. We still only have the equivalent of 2 teaspoons of sugar in our bloodstream at any one time. That's all. Our body works really hard at keeping that blood sugar only 2 teaspoons at a time. And our liver just doles it out a little at a time as we need it. And our brain, so all of our cells in our body and all of our muscles have little stores of sugar in there for when they run out. But our brain, which is all fat, if someone calls you a fathead, that's, that's a compliment because that means you've got a big brain. Mm-hmm. Their brain does not store any sugar at all, zero. It relies on a moment-to-moment supply of sugar coming in your blood to, into your head, into your brain, moment-to-moment supply of it. And it regulates it very carefully. So over time, as we drink a Snapple with 8 or 10 or 12 teaspoons of sugar, you know, almost all soft drinks have 10 or 12 teaspoons of sugar in it. So if you're chuggling down a Snapple or drinking coffee that's got 3 or 4 teaspoons of sugar in it and or eating a donut and you're shoveling 10 to 20 teaspoons of sugar into your system in a matter of 5 or 10 minutes, your body says, yikes, doesn't know what to do with that. It has to get rid of it. It cannot keep it because if you have that much sugar in your bloodstream, it'll kill your cells. That's why diabetics lose their fingers and their toes and their sight because the sugar in their bloodstream is killing their cells. So with that in mind... When you, you get that much sugar into your bloodstream all at once, your body is working real hard to regulate it. So your body will put out insulin. You have a little pancreas. Your pancreas sits under your, your left rib. And the pancreas will put out insulin. And the insulin takes that sugar and shoves it into the cells and gets it out of the bloodstream. If it stays in the bloodstream, you'll go into a coma and you'll be in a mess. So the insulin saves the day and puts it into the cells for you. So every time 
you're eating the sugar and whoop, here now they're calling on your body to put out the insulin. Every time you put out the insulin, your body knows you're in trouble and it puts out something called cortisol. And when it puts out the cortisone, your body says, whoops, we're in trouble here, and it holds on to every bit of energy. It will not burn up that, those sugars. It will save it and store it for fat. So when the insulin comes in, the body is saying, whoops, we're in trouble here. we got to store this energy for later use. Maybe we're going to run from the tiger. Maybe we're in danger. And it shoves it right into the fat cells for fat, converts it to fat and saves it. So people who are eating sweets and sugars all day, their body is taking the insulin's coming out and that's shoving it, changing it to fat and shoving it right in the fat cells. More fat cells, more fat cells, more fat cells. Yep. So it's, it's uh, I guess it's, it's plain to see that insulin is what they call a, a fat storing hormone, especially if you're you're constantly your pancreas is constantly pumping out insulin to drive your blood sugar down. And for many of us. Um, for many people, I guess you would agree with this, is um, they don't, their blood sugar is all over the place because just like you said, they're drinking Snapples during the day or they're eating, uh, you know, donuts in the office or their blood sugar is all over the place. So insulin is pretty much all over the place. Is that a fair assumption? Absolutely. So what happens is if you could draw a little graph over time, you would see that when you take in the sugars, your blood sugar goes up. So you draw the line going up. Then the insulin comes in and starts bringing the blood sugar back down again. As it goes down, your body says, whoop, hey, 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 I need more sugar here. I'm in trouble. And that's where you reach for more sugar, a cup of coffee, or grab a cigarette because the cigarette, the tobacco has been soaked in sugar. So you're sucking that nicotine and sugar right into your, into your lungs, into your bloodstream. And then you go, oh, I'm okay. So your blood sugar goes up for a little while. The insulin comes out and boom, it comes down again. And when when you do this over and over and over, you wear that system out. So pretty soon you can't get the insulin out fast enough and you can't turn off the insulin fast enough and your blood sugar goes what's called below the fasting level, below normal. And when it does that, you get the shakes and the whips and the jingles. Some people get headaches, some people pass out, some just get dopey or some get cranky, some get violent totally violent when their blood sugar gets low. And I'm sure that that's a lot. There's a big reason for a lot of the violence, and there's a lot of research on the violence today is because of the blood sugar levels. When they drop low, people get crazy. So then (laughs) then they reach for the alcohol or the cigarette or the sugar or the coffee to bring it back up again. And they do that day after day after day for years. They wear the system out. Yeah, you get we, totally, um, totally depleted. Last the week before last, and I discussed with you off the air, we had um, uh, Roberta Ruggiero on the show, and she was talking about hypoglycemia, and we touched on mm-hmm. all of this stuff. But it's it's crazy because people are just going nuts now. It's, I don't know, but I guess it has something to do with this whole you know whole blood sugar thing. And a lot of people are hypoglycemic. And they have no idea that they are, but I mean, our diets are so high in sugar. So I, I would, I mean, I would venture to guess that that's happening on a daily basis. What you just described. Oh, absolutely. There's all kinds of research, all kinds of writings about it. So, just for your listeners, anytime you're taking in more than two teaspoons of sugar at a time, 
in any form, whether it's a cookie or one bite of pie or whatever, you know, that's all your body wants right then. That's all it can handle. And you, any more than that, you're putting it into jeopardy by raising the insulin levels. Hypoglycemia, another word for it is pre-diabetic. Every mm-hmm. diabetic was hypoglycemic before they came diabetic, but the doctors don't listen to that, won't pay attention to that. They call it hyperinsulinism just because they think hypoglycemia is a buzzword and they don't care to use it. I, I can get on my soapbox and start waving my arms on that one. I get really upset about that. <laughs> yeah, I, I bet you do. But um, those are the only questions I have for you. I'm going to let you get out of here because I know you said you had a movie to attend, so I wanted to keep it to an hour. And I don't know, I think I might have had a problem with the switchboard because I kept seeing someone try to call in, but they, they uh-huh. were sick, and I noticed that something might be going on with the switchboard, and that might be one of the reasons why. I lost you earlier, but that's blog talk radio. What can you do? But um, Yeah, that's happened to me when I do webinars sometimes. You're talking away and all of a sudden there's nobody there. It just yeah. happens. Te- Stuff I happens, a, Daryl. Yeah, I know. I have a love-hate thing with technology. So, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> but Well, you give yourself a pat on the back. You're doing a great job, and your listeners are really lucky to have you. Good Thank for you. you. Thank you so much. Feel I free hope- to contact me anytime. Yeah, I hope to get you back on, but thank you so much for being on the show tonight. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. All right, you enjoy your movie, okay? Okay, thanks, Jerry. Bye. All right, so there you go, uh, listeners. I hope you had, um, you know, if your questions weren't answered, you can send me a question. You can always check the event after uh, we have the actual uh, show, and if you have a question that you want to drop in there, what I can do is just send that, forward that to Dr. Sally and have her answer your question, or if I can answer it, I'll answer it. But uh, I know that someone was trying to call in to ask a question tonight, and maybe there was something wrong with the switchboard because I noticed that the time isn't going down. So, But that's the thing with Blog Talk Radio. Sometimes things happen, and it's technology, so what can you do? But hope that you came back on and you stuck with the show uh, you can listen to the show again if there's some things that you miss. Again, you can do the archives by going to blogtalkradio.com slash fatmanradio, or you can subscribe in iTunes, and in iTunes all the shows are listed in there. So if you go in there, you can download all the past shows. If you just or you were someone that just discovered me or just discovered the show, and you can go in and listen to all the past, past shows. There's uh, some great shows. And one of the shows that uh, we did the week before last, which I mentioned, during this particular show was a show on hypoglycemia, and that's a great show to go back because you'll be amazed at um, what's going on with people who have low blood sugar or what you would call hypoglycemia. So, again, thank you for listening. Um, I don't have anyone scheduled for next week. I'm going to get somebody on. Uh, I'm hoping to have uh, Dr. Krasinski on. Uh, I haven't confirmed with her, but Dr. Krasinski is a, uh, a MD from Chicago, and she has a um, she does bioidentical hormones. So, but she goes through a lot of natural healing protocols with her patients. But her main thing is hormones and helping people become to fix their hormones so they can become more uh, have more vitality and just more energy. So, I hope to have her on. I haven't heard from her just yet, uh, but I hope to have her on. But again, thank you for listening. I'll see you at the same fat time on the same fat channel. This has been Darren McDuffie, uh, affectionately known as the Fat Man, helping you become perfectly healthy and toned. 
See you on the next show. Thanks.